What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Padding Stats Podcast. You got Bo's here, TK with me, as always. And uh, we've kind of been on a little break, I guess you can say. I'm not going to point fingers about why we haven't recorded in a while, but, you know, it, it, things happen. Life happens. Uh, not a lot going on in sports, clearly, but, you know, we have some NBA, UFC still going on. And, you know, baseball's coming up really, really soon. So we got that going on. And we got a little bit of off-season stuff we can talk about. Um, but to get started, I guess we'll just go into the NBA. Uh, let's see here. So, honestly, I mean, I don't even remember but when the last time we recorded was. But to get started, I mean, the Raptors are turning it around, man up to the fifth seed right now, 15 and 14, which is kind of crazy that get, Oh, I'm sorry. 16 and 15 the Pacers are 15 and 14 and the Pacers are the four seed. That would be good enough for the eighth seed in the West. If that tells you anything, but yeah, I mean, the jazz continuing their dominance. They actually just took a L to who was it? I think it was the Clippers uh the other night so um yeah i mean that's really about it dude the uh oh anthony edwards had the dunk of the year a couple days ago timberwolves still suck they're seven and 24 two and eight in their last 10 but other than that i mean the hawks are falling have fallen out of the the playoff picture they've been kind of struggling here lately I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. The Heat do, in fact, still suck, regardless of them beating the Lakers the other night. Um, I don't feel like LeBron had much help in that game. And it was still close. And then, yeah, they beat the Kings before that. But prior to this two-game winning streak, they were on a three-game losing streak. I don't know. They're, they're just kind of streaky, I guess. Like, they can play good. Yeah. But they're very fucking streaky. Uh, you know, like they had that shitty start. I think they started like one and three or something like that. Um, which I could be wrong on that start. I can't remember, but they didn't start well. Um, rattled off a couple wins here and there. It's hard to watch Miami Heat basketball. Let's just say that. But yeah, like you said, Toronto <laughs> kind of just pushing their way right up there. They're on a four game winning streak. I don't know if you mentioned that. The Nets, obviously. Doing very well as of late. And then, you know, really other than that, uh, I can't remember if we discussed the Jazz moving ahead of the Lakers. I mean, it happened a little while ago, but, yeah, the Jazz is the top of the Western Conference right now, and then the two LA teams followed behind. But Yeah, uh, shout-out to the Cavs. Uh, they started out, you know, I, they, I guess they were doing pretty well. Um, have lost their last 10 games in a row. So that's a that's a rough look for anybody in, in Cleveland or anybody that roots for the Cavs, which I, I don't know anybody that roots for the Cavs. So. Yeah, I mean, once LeBron left, I don't think Cavs fans exist or Cavs fans exist anymore. But it's just back to reality for them is really what it boils down to. 
Yeah. So, I mean, looking at these and just kind of looking at these standings and kind of looking forward from here, uh, I, I kind of expect the Knicks and the Hornets to fall out of the playoff picture in the East and probably the Hawks and the Heat to end up in there somewhere. Uh, and as far as the West is concerned, I mean, I could see it staying like this, to be honest. Um, the fact that there's a play-in game this year is interesting because it's probably you're probably going to have – I think I want to say it's going to be three or four different teams that are going to be in – I think it's going to be like a little play-in tournament, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be wrong about that. I haven't seen anything about it in a long time. But uh, in my opinion, I mean, you're going to be looking at probably the Knicks, the Hornets – I don't know though because the Bulls are actually a decent team. Surprisingly, and then you got the Heat and the Hawks right below them. Yeah, Zach Levine should have been an All Star starter, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't know, dude. It's uh, the East is a, is an interesting playoff race, just because all these teams that kind of you. I don't know. I feel like there's two teams that you expected to be a lot better than they are in the Heat and the Hawks. And then you have like three teams that you didn't expect to be shit that are better than than what you expected in the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Bulls. So it's just kind of flipped upside down at this point, which I think, I mean, obviously we're not even halfway through the season. So uh, coming up on the all-star break. So I think everything will will fix itself in time, but um, yeah. In the West, like I said, I think I could I could pretty much see it staying like this. I don't know if the Jazz will continue to be num- the number one seed, but I could definitely see them finishing in the top three. And yeah, Jordan Clarkson has pretty much locked up six man of the year through 30 games. In my opinion, the guy's averaging like 19 off the bench, which is, I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy. Lou Williams type stats right there. (laughs) So pressing forward, I think that's about all we got through the, uh, or for the NBA rather. And we'll just talk about, since we haven't talked about it yet, uh, JJ Watt, I believe was just released from his contract. Um, believe he had a meeting with the, the, the brass over there in Houston and ended up getting released. So um, we'll see where he ends up going. Really my big takeaway from this is I know a team in Georgia that needs some some edge rushers. But knowing the Falcons, they probably won't fucking even attempt to make a move on him, which is fine. But the main thing here is why, why, why can't they do that with Deshaun? I mean, my man asked, asked for a trade like, a really long time ago, like after, right after the season ended. And here we are, he's still still chilling, and they're like apparently just not trying to trade him at all. Right. I mean, my big question is, what's going on at the fucking, you know, in Houston? Like, what, what's the deal with their front office? We'll see how that plays out. Shit, I can't even blame – I can't even blame Deshaun Watson for wanting to leave that shit, bro. I mean, they trade away his best receiver. 
JJ Watt gets released when he asks him to, which is fucking stupid. Should have traded him, I guess, but uh, they never got him an offensive line. Uh, what else? I mean, that's really it, to be honest. But well, I mean, still, just like you said, last, I mean, it, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, I mean, I don't understand the whole JJ Watt situation either. Like, it just makes no sense to me. You got to go and get something for JJ Watt. I feel like the dude, it's not like he's an old, washed up player. I mean, the dude still has it. So I, I really, I don't get it. I really don't. Right. And now, I mean, I guess he he's going to just get to pick wherever he goes to play, which if you're Houston and that, I mean, good for him. But if you're Houston in that situation, that's a huge L on your part. The only thing I can think of is freeing up cap space. I think if you're Houston at this point, you probably just have to go like full rebuild mode. And if you're going to do that, you should probably trade your trade your quarterback. Let him go somewhere that he can thrive. I mean, I've seen he thought about he was thinking about the Jets. Um, I forget what teams were on the new list. I think the Dolphins were on there. Um, if you're Miami and the fucking Texans come to you and they say, we'll give you Deshaun Watson for – Tua and a first and a second or some shit. I don't know about you. I'm taking that. I'm taking that 100% of the time. That's Deshaun Watson. It's not like it's not like you're downgrading from Tua. I mean, that's one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. Right. I don't think Dolphins fans would hate that at all. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson's a really good quarterback on a shitty team. The guy has no weapons to fucking throw to, so... I don't know. Maybe maybe they're maybe they're already in their full rebuild mode. Maybe they're just kind of making their way to like tanking. Like, and that's this is kind of like the start of it is getting rid of JJ Watt and just forcing Deshaun Watson to be miserable until you can get what you want out of him. I mean, if I'm him, to be honest, bro, I probably wouldn't play. <laughs> just keeping it just on I, prob- I probably wouldn't play. Yeah, fuck I- it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there, there's some kind of verbiage against that. I, if I had to guess in his contract, who knows where the Texans oh, are going? Shit, they just need, they need to go like the Cleveland route. It'll take a long ass time because it took a long ass time in Cleveland. But you know, I guess after having like ten fucking years of um, of first round draft picks, you finally figure something out. You got to hit eventually, you know? Right. But, uh, oh, shit. I almost forgot. Uh, also, the Colts traded for Carson Wentz. I don't know if you I saw did. that. I did see that. So, I think that is a huge W for Carson Wentz and the Colts. One, Carson Wentz finally has an offensive line, which is what they've been lacking in Philadelphia. Top five offensive line. They've got a good defense. He's got good receivers. I mean, that team is already built. All they needed was a quarterback, and I think I think that's a good pickup for them and a good yeah. move for Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think it's a good move for everybody except Philly because they didn't get shit out of that. Yeah, I think they got like two picks or something like that. And they weren't – they weren't. I don't think they were good. So they got a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 second-round pick, which could potentially turn into a first-round pick, but I think that Philadelphia got shafted on this. So I think there's uh two there's two other things about this uh, about this trade that are interesting. 
for one, the Eagles will also have like a 30, like roughly like $34 million in dead money this year for Wentz. Um, apparently that's the largest dead money charge in the history of the NFL. And also, I don't know if you remember this because it feels like it's been fucking forever, but um, when Carson Wentz was on his MVP trajectory year before he tore up his leg, uh, he his coordinator was Frank Reich, who is now the Colts coach. So yeah, that's a interesting dynamic for all of that. Um, another team I wanted to talk about is I didn't I didn't really mention this. I just saw something on here about it that I thought was interesting. Is uh the Seahawks and I think like so. I saw something on Twitter the other day that was talking about uh, Russell Wilson is on pace to be sacked like the most ever through nine seasons or however long he's been in the, in the fucking league. And that's kind of crazy to me because they're always like a competitive team, you know, and that, I think that just goes to kind of speak to how good Russell Wilson is if he's making something out of that. Yeah. I mean, he's not a... I don't know. I guess I... I mean, he's definitely a mobile guy. It's not like, you know, he, he's he's definitely got that in his uh, in his back pocket if he needs it to take off and run with it. So it's not like he's slow or, you know, non-invasive. He, he's definitely, he's definitely got that. But I, I didn't know, I didn't know that he was on pace to be sacked the most through nine season. That's pretty wild. They got to get that some, guy some... It was some ridiculous number. Yeah, it would have to be for him to be on pace like that. But yeah, it's. I want to say they're gonna have to get him somebody to block for him if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was more so a shout out and like saying that they need to get him some fucking help. I mean, he's got all the receivers in the world, just doesn't have a damn line to protect him, which is Atlanta. That's that sounds like the fucking Hawk or the Falcons right there. So. Uh, yeah, but that's all, that's all I got for the NFL. Uh, obviously, it's offseason, so there's really not a whole lot going on. UFC fight night, Blades versus Lewis. This is a really good card, and we're not going to get into all the fights that were on it, but the prelims were outstanding. I mean, it started with the first five fights all ended in KO, TKO, uh, ultimately ending that prelim card uh in a decision but i can't remember what was, what was the number one it's like the second most finishes on a card i'm pretty sure all right so first fight on the main card is uh was andre orlovsky versus tom aspinall and uh tom aspinall won by submission second round i saw something i think if you were to bet on him winning by submission, Tom Aspinall winning by submission, it was like plus 1,600 or some shit like that. So if anybody bet wow. for him to win by submission, good for you. Uh, next fight, Philip Halls, Phil Halls, whatever you prefer. And I don't even want to say this other dude's name because I know for a fact I'm going to butcher this shit, but I'll do my best. Oh, geez. Nasardine. Imovov, Imovov, sounds good to me. It's, it's something along those lines. Imovov. <laughs> uh, 
Emo Bob, yeah. Uh, Phil Hawes wins majority decision. Uh, one one judge had it a draw, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, really just a, a tale of wrestling in this one. I mean, Phil Hall's had 11 minutes of control time on four takedowns. So you don't see that every day. Um, to keep it pushing, Chris Dawkins, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah. KO's Alexio Lenick. Which was, uh, I think Alexio Lennox should probably hang him up. I mean, he has how many? What's, let's see, 75 pro fights? Yeah. So, I mean, we get it. We get it, bro. Like, we understand you can fight. We we know. Just just hang it up, man. You, how old is he? taking a lot of punches to the noggin. Old. I think he's in his 40s. I mean, old in terms of fighting. At least in his 40s. Years, of course. That he is... is 43. He's pro- he looks older than 43, if we're being honest. And he probably is due to the amount of damage the man's taken to his head. Over 75 fights. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's so crazy to me. It really but yeah. is. I mean, he's lost three three of his last five yep. by knockout. So I think he should be looking at the next phase of his life, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he was outlanded in significant strikes, uh, what, 34 to 5. So clearly had no offense. Uh, 32 of those strikes to the head. Every single one of the punches that Doc is through was a significant strike. That's insane. My man's swinging um, for the fences. I'm telling you. Uh, next fight, let's see. Uh, Derek Minner beat Charles Rosa. Another one wrestling, man. Four, four takedowns, 12 and a half minutes of control time. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Charles Rosa is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So that's pretty impressive from uh, Derek Minner. I'll be yeah. honest, I didn't watch. I didn't watch this fight. Um, uh, so I'll let you. I think you did. Yeah, Minner took him down for a long time and landed a decent amount of ground <laughs> strikes. Pretty much dominated and. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was a good fight, but I really wasn't paying attention to a lot of it. I kind of sidetracked. But the next fight, I actually did watch. I'm gonna let you pronounce those names because I, even though I watched the fight, I know uh, I know Yana's first name, but that's it. Yeah, Yana Kunitskaya, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's how you say it. Uh, Beats Ketlin Vieja, Vieja. I can't really can't really roll my tongue like that. I'm I'm not. I don't possess the necessary skills for that. But what a, I mean, this looks like a fucking beatdown on paper, bro. Two fifteen to three thirty five in the total strikes. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, it was the weirdest fight because Vieja had a lot of top control, but while she was on top. Yana was on the bottom just landing strikes. I mean, clearly she had a decent amount of control time herself, but it was actually a pretty fun fight to watch. 
if you were to look at it, you would think that uh, a lot of the damage that was done was from Yana being on top, and a decent bit was, but also she did a lot of damage from the bottom position. It, it was pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Kevin Vieira was the number one contender before her fight against uh, Irene Aldana, but she lost by knockout. Then she won one and then lost this one. So who knows where she stands at as far as this division is concerned. I don't think, uh, I don't think Yana Kuniskaya is one of the premier fights in this division, no disrespect, but uh, I don't know. I guess she probably needs to reevaluate her game plan if she wants to get back to that, to that point where she was at. So Right. But I mean, when you look at it, there's not much to it. I mean, she had almost nine minutes of control on, in top position, and she landed 35 total strikes in the whole fight. Yeah. I mean, you got to do damage from the top. Like, when you're getting outstruck on while you're on top, then like, I'm an avid believer that if you have somebody on the ground, but you're not doing any damage or threatening with submissions or at least trying to – advance to those positions if you just have top control to me you're not winning a fight if somebody is on i agree back and out striking you while you're on top then to me you're not controlling the fight i mean yeah you may have them on the ground and maybe they can't get up but to me if i'm in a fight and one person is doing damage and the other person is not regardless of where the fight is i think that you should be winning that fight and I know this is, this is kind of off topic, but I think that goes to kind of talk about, like, I think there's like a fundamental issue with judging in MMA, just simply based off the fact of like what you just said. I mean, if you're on top and you're getting outstruck by somebody on the bottom, the person on top theoretically should not be getting points for that, but they always do. They always do. Right. And that shit, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, is having a good position worth that much, even if you're if you're getting beat up in that good position and you're you're not doing anything in return? I I just don't think so. Right. I, I mean, mean and and to kind of to kind of continue on that point with Ketlin Vieira, what what was she trying to do? How do you have almost nine minutes of control time and thirty five strikes? What was that like I mean, four strikes a minute? I mean, if I if I wanted to tell you what the game plan was, it would be to submit Yana. But I mean, there were zero submission attempts. I mean, she wasn't really giving her the chance, you know. But at the same time, a person to me, if it's, if somebody's throwing off their back, that should probably at some point, especially in almost nine minutes, at some point should open up a submission, at least an attempt. But there wasn't any, right? So I, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what her game plan was. It was clearly to get it to the ground, and she did that. She succeeded there. Uh, and just to kind of you know give my take on the whole being in the top position uh, and how how over to me is overvalued uh, having top position. But when you're looking at it, at this situation, you know VA is losing the fight. If you look at it in a situation where she has her on the ground, but, you know, Yana's not doing anything, then, yeah, like, 
you have top position, like you're in the, the dominant position, like to me, that's, you know, winning you a fight, but if you're not doing anything at all, especially being outstruck the way she was when, you know, she did a, a lot of her damage from the back. I don't really like the yeah. of MMA. It's kind of hard to judge fights like on a point system, in my opinion. I agree. Um, main event time, Derek Lewis gets the knockout, what he's always looking for, what he's known for, what he has tattooed on his chest. Um, yeah. What is I'm it pretty say? sure he, he only landed seven. It says knockout king on his uh, chest. I don't know if you've ever I've never, seen that. I, I have. I got, I've noticed the tattoo. I've never read it, though, but that that's fitting. The guy landed seven total strikes the entire fight. It only took, it only took one of those. Uh, he had, he, you know, and, and then two of those were pretty unnecessary, but I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those people that's going to tell you not to fight something, you know, not to continue after you knock somebody out cold because you don't know what can happen. But yeah. So the guy, three of the strikes, the guys, the guy landed were all either the knockout blow or what followed. So with the other four, it was just one crazy uh, exchange between the two earlier in the round, or in the first round, that is. But he didn't do a lot. He even said in his post-fight interview that he was waiting for Blades to shoot in and he was going to hit him with an uppercut or a knee. That's what he did. Caught him with Literally what uppercut. happened. And it was just the way he hit him with it was crazy to me because – he hit him with the uppercut, and when he made contact, his fist probably wasn't any more than, like, six inches or so away from, like, his midsection with that uppercut. So, Blades was pretty deep into a shot outside of actually getting a hold of him. I mean, he made contact and then, you know, got put to sleep. But, yeah, Blades was Blades was winning that fight for sure before that punch. I mean, Lewis's second round was a lot better, but there wasn't a lot of – there wasn't a lot to the second round. Yeah, I'm not real sure why um, Blades got away from the from the leg kicks. I mean, they were they were working like a charm. I mean, the dude seven for seven on leg kicks, and then he I mean he had him stumbled with one that I remember. But uh, yeah, I mean, Blades was winning every second of this fight pretty much until he wasn't. So. Which is right. kind of how it goes at heavyweight. Yeah, and I mean, Lewis was a huge underdog. What was it, plus 350 underdog? Yeah, I think um, – let me pull up this tweet I sent you. Let's see here. Uh, he was a plus 350 underdog, pulled off the biggest upset at a UFC main event since Michael Bisping beat Luke Rockhold, and Michael Bisping was plus 400. That was at UFC 199, and yeah, we're now long up to time like ago. UFC. I think, I think the next event is like 259. That's yeah. so crazy. UFC 259 is the next one. So 60 pay-per-views, not including all the fight nights in between those. So that's a shitload of fights, shitload of main events. And, I mean, Derek Lewis got it done. I, Derek Lewis has got to be a better's fucking dream and nightmare because in a situation like this where he's a fucking huge underdog, 
probably feel pretty pretty confident betting on him because I mean he literally only needs one punch. Like yeah, that's it. He could shut anybody's lights out with one punch. Right. And the same goes for if he's the favorite. If you want to take the underdog, I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of holes in his game. He's not a good wrestler. I mean, I mean, honestly, really, like when it comes to striking, like I know what you're about to fucking say. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh for three. Curtis Blades was over three in takedowns. My man, my man Derek Lewis is in fact a wrestler, and he's been trying to tell y'all this. All American. That's right, all American. But yeah, no, I mean it's I, I was I was saying this uh yesterday about because I mean just between them two fights that you just mentioned, if you had to say, okay. You have to bet on one of these underdogs. Which underdog are you betting on? I'm betting on Lewis. You know what 100%. I mean? Because, yeah, I mean, Curtis Blades is a really good wrestler, but they work out for him. Uh, and Lewis is a – I mean, people can say what they want to. Yeah, I mean, the guy's whole shtick is that he has one-punch knockout power, but he uses it very often. I mean, it's not like the guy just like goes in there yeah. and every now and then he gets he gets a knockout. I mean, the dude's knocking people out all the time, and he doesn't lose very much either. I mean, the guys that he has lost to are obviously high level and you know highly ranked. Uh, his last loss was JDS, who I think probably needs to retire. But I mean, that was in 2019. So, uh, and then the fight before that, he lost to Daniel Cormier. Um, not a bad loss. No, no, I mean, obviously not a bad loss at all. But uh, and, you know, it was a title fight, so nobody else that's not named uh, Stipe or John Jones was beating Daniel Cormier at any point. But yeah, then before that, I mean, let's not forget. Uh, before that, his last loss was Mark Hunt, which was in 2017. So, you know, the guy has. A very, I mean, obviously a good record, and he's a top level guy in heavyweight division. And nobody wants to fight him. I mean, that's he's the epitome of I'm ducking that guy because that leads nowhere. Like, you know, props to Curtis Blades for taking this fight because that was a that was a dangerous fight for him to take. It's a dangerous fight for anybody to take. Yeah, he definitely Blades definitely could have held out and probably waited for a title shot. Um, and that kind of brings me to the to the next thing I wanted to talk about is how long do you think it's going to be before he gets another title shot? Because, I mean, four or five winning there streak, goes. we know how Stipe's, yeah, we know how Stipe's reign has been this thus far. Um, obviously, he's going to be In fighting Francis. Yeah, I mean, Stipe's been fighting like once a year. I like Stipe, but that shit is kind of aggravating. I can't even lie to you. I mean, we've yeah, had, I think, five UFC heavyweight title fights since 2018, if I'm not mistaken. So, and you got to think three of those were one of those DC had the belt when he defended it. Well, two of them technically. And the first one, so DC fought Cormier, or fought DC fought himself. DC fought Stipe twice and then Derek Lewis once and that's all that that's like the only fucking 
title fights that have happened since who God knows how long. It feels like fucking forever. It just seems like ever since Stipe has been the champion, the heavyweight division just seems like it's kind of stagnant. Well, it's really since the whole DC thing came up. Right. Yeah. But, I, I mean, you got to think, think about it like this. So Dana already said whoever wins between Francis and Stipe is fighting John Jones next. So that's already two fights lined up. And I mean, you never know how much damage one of the winner is going to take in that, in the first one. So they could be on a, a long ass layoff waiting for John Jones. And then you got, after that, I would assume Derek Lewis would be next in line, but. Right. I mean, how long is he going to wait around without fighting to get a title shot? So I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he'll wait. Personally, I don't. Uh, he, I don't even know if he could. I mean, how long? That's a long, like you said, that's a long layoff. I don't think there's any way he can wait around. I mean, by the time, because what wins the Engano and Stipe fight? March twenty seventh. Okay, so as far as Lewis getting a title shot, out is twenty twenty two. At the least, that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, because unless like. I don't know. I don't see Stipe having a quick turnaround uh, unless Ngannou just knocks Stipe out like real early and takes zero damage. And then, you know, they turn around real fast. I mean, even then you're still looking at it's probably three months before that fight ever happened. And that's, that's like ace. That's like the quickest it's going to be is a is three month turnaround. And I highly doubt it. Um, but I mean, I think I think Stipe wins that fight. That's for another day. So, yeah, twenty twenty two is what Lewis is looking at, and he usually fights probably about twice or so a year, on average. Derek Lewis fought four times in twenty eighteen. Ultimately, ending. And that's a that's a hell of a lot for a heavyweight. Yeah, I don't really know. Oh, um, like who do you give him at this point? in that division that's what that's what i wonder too i I really i really don't know um let's see i mean you could probably look at the winner of uh gee i always butcher this guy's fucking name the next fight night which is uh this weekend which is jairzinho rosenstreich and surreal gane i mean you if 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 he doesn't want to wait around, I mean, you could look at the winner of that fight, which would, I mean, that would probably make the most sense. I feel like this is probably going to be like the number two contender fight. Um, really think it's going to be a coming out party for Ghana, which I believe, I, I remember us talking about him one one podcast and I couldn't figure out if it's, how to say his fucking name, but I'm pretty positive it's Ghana. Uh but other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't really know where he would go from here, other than just waiting in line to be to get a fucking title shot, which would be uncharacteristic of him. But it's pretty exciting, the what they have going on in the heavyweight division right now. You got, in my opinion, the best heavyweight of all time versus a very dangerous guy in Uganu, and then you got the goat coming up to fight for the heavyweight title once they get that sorted out. 
And then from there, at least at this point in time, you got Derek Lewis kind of on the outside looking in. I wouldn't mind seeing it. I mean, I would really like to see Derek Lewis versus Ngannou again, but not have it go the way that fight went. I want to see the way it was yeah. supposed to go. <laughs> That's what I want to see. Right. But, uh, I mean, to me, any three of those guys, I would love for Derek Lewis to fight, assuming, you know, he does take another fight and he does uh, win it. I just hope that after this next – after Stipe and Francis fight again, that the division gets a little like, I feel like it's kind of stuck in the mud at this point, if that makes sense. Um, so I hope it just gets a little less stagnant, a little more active, because um, everybody likes to watch heavyweights fight. I mean, not everybody likes to watch the little dudes fight, but everybody likes watching heavyweights fight. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely I think different. It's the thrill of the unknown. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got for the UFC. One thing we're going to try and start doing for anybody that's listening, if you're a fan of the show. Uh, or just a fan of sports. Be bringing, yeah, 100%. We're going to start bringing, what are you thinking, like one an episode? Yeah, just we'll bring on... Uh, probably not starting out, but, but we're just going to bring fans on and we're going to talk sports. Um, that's essentially it. Yeah. So we'll have, we'll have more information on that. We'll probably post it on our Twitter. You can find us at, uh, at padding stats pod. You can find me at TK PTSP. You can find Bose at Bose PTSP. All right. We'll catch y'all next time. You're